I'm Brett McGarry. This week, I went to see a movie, and I fell asleep during the most important part. I'll explain the fallout of that mistake. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun. I managed to stay awake during my movie. I'll review Juliet Naked. That's the title. I'll be fully dressed. Plus... Thank God for that. I'll also offer my thoughts on season one of the Stephen King show Castle Rock, which wrapped up this week. But first, it's the news from the couch. People are so easily distracted. So I'm the distractor with a little story. People can't get enough of them because, well, they connect the stories to themselves, I suppose. And we all love hearing about ourselves. So long as the people in the stories are us, but not us. This will tell the tale. The trailer for the new project from the Coen Brothers is out. It's called The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. I'm Buster, Buster Scruggs. You're shooting iron work. Appears to do, yes. That's Tim Blake Nelson as Buster Scruggs, kind of a dopey cowboy in the Old West. We've mentioned this project a few times in the past year, and the Coen Brothers keeps shifting things around on us. It was originally supposed to be a six-episode anthology TV series for Netflix, with each episode featuring Buster. Now they're calling it a six-part anthology movie. Presumably, that would mean they shortened all the parts and butted them against each other into a movie. We won't know for sure until we see it in November. The cast also includes Liam Neeson, Tyne Daly, Zoe Kazan, Brendan Gleeson, Stephen Root, Tom Waits, Saul Rubinek, and James Franco. Do you have anything to say before a sentence is carried out? Sentence? What's my sentence? <laughs> He said that with his head in a noose. Franco seems pretty dumb in this one. Looks like a funny movie. The Coens are good with Goofy. And their other westerns or western-adjacent movies like True Grit and No Country for Old Men were much more serious. The Ballad of Buster Scruggs comes to Netflix and Select Theaters November 16th. The Select Theaters means it'll be eligible for awards. Late night here in the West. My name is Ozymandias, King of Kings. That man is a wonder. I will just have to see you, woman. Ah, crazy business. The state of our union is strong. Well, that's a good thing, isn't it? Probably not when the movie is called Captive State. Unemployment is the lowest in history. Poverty has been eradicated. Crime is non-existent. The first teaser trailer for Captive State was released this week and it's set in a world where aliens invaded and have controlled our planet for 10 years. It explores the lives on both sides of the conflict, the collaborators and the dissidents. Sounds almost like the basic plot for that show that I loved so much, Colony, which was set in a world where aliens invaded a while ago and now control our planet, and the show focused on both sides of the conflict. Colony was canceled this year. I am sad. Maybe this will help fill that void. 
The movie stars Ashton Sanders. He was the teenager of the main character in the Best Picture winning Moonlight. Vera Farmiga and John Goodman co-star. It opens March 29th. Please rise to greet our legislature. They're in a football stadium at the moment and a giant spaceship appears overhead. Zoinks! This world is a lie. We don't know what's going to happen in Westworld next season, but we do know it'll feature at least one new face. Aaron Paul, a.k.a. Jesse from Breaking Bad, is joining the cast. Who messes with the blowfish, Jesse? Nobody. You're damn right. I'm a blowfish. You are a blowfish. Say it again. I'm a blowfish. Say it like you mean it. I'm a blowfish! Blowfish! Yeah! Of course, the nature of his role is being kept secret because that's how Westworld rolls. Even once it airs, his role will probably not be what it seems. Nothing is on the show. Westworld is the futuristic Old West sci-fi show about a theme park where the robots look like humans, and a lot of the humans you meet might be robots, and probably everyone's trying to kill you. Season 2 just ended in June, and that was a year and a half after Season 1, which itself was delayed months and months, so don't hold your breath waiting for season three. This is the end. Nothing else is in the way now. We won't win. This is the most aggressive military buildup in Russian history. I told Six Fleet you want a hunter killer. That is a clip from the final trailer for a movie that I didn't know had even released a first trailer. It's a submarine movie called Hunter Killer, which is a class of sub designed specifically to attack and sink other subs. And Jeff, it stars your favorite, Gerard Butler. We've been ordered to cross waters that no American sub has ever crossed before. Take us along the ocean floor. We've been keeping tabs on the Russian president and his defense minister. It's a coup. What if we could free President Zakari? We rescue the Russian president. We're going in with four of our boys. There aren't training simulations for this one. If we don't pull this off, it's going to be World War III. Spartans! Tonight, we died in hell! It's based on the book Firing Point, written by retired naval officer George Wallace and author Don Keith, and the production of the film was fully supported by the U.S. Navy. It co-stars Gary Oldman and Common, and takes place primarily in the Arctic Ocean, where Butler's Captain Joe Glass discovers a Russian coup which could screw things up all around the world. So now the Navy SEALs are going to try to rescue the Russian president. Hunter Killer opens October 26th. That's a warship. Battle stations. Ship ready. Collusion ready. Pumping ready. Fire. 
is the news from the couch? Are you and your buddy going to go see it because oh, it's Gerard absolutely. Butler? I like how uh, his uh, more marvelous accent work. Whenever he's an American, he uses his natural, what is he, Australian accent? I think accent he's Scottish. Or something. He uses that accent. And then in the 300 movie where he plays a, a non-American, he tries to do an American accent. He's, he's backwards. He sounded he's American backwards. in that movie? And in the Hunter Killer? That did? Come on. Really? He's crazy. I gotta hang on a second. I'm gonna think which one was it in? It was in here, I think. We've been ordered to cross waters that no American sub has ever crossed before. I don't know. No, that doesn't sound that. <laughs> that didn't sound Scottish. <laughs> it, it sounds weird. He's, he's trying, but he's not trying hard enough. Okay. Are you still holding out, holding out hope for Geostorm 2? Oh, I, they, they have to make Geostorm 2. The Geostorm didn't kill everybody in the first one. They got to crank it up a notch for the second one. Well, let's just do a quick search here to see if there's a second. Ah, oh, there's nothing. Hmm. No hits yet have you ever seen Geostorm it? 2. No, I haven't I'm seen gonna it I'm going to bring it to you. I got it. You got it? Oh, I got it. Oh, boy. Yeah. Okay, I'll have to make sure to watch it. I, it did look like a like a fun movie. And, Featuring and Andy like... Garcia as the president. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's Which, your other favorite. I mean, three years ago, that's more of a funny joke than it is today. But Did he, uh, did he talk the way he always talks? I'm mm-hmm. Andy Garcia, and I'm mysterious and i'm yep, going and, to do nefarious things to I'm you i'm gonna do a serious whisper through this whole movie yeah because if i use a regular speaking voice i sound ridiculous <laughs> up next on the couch potatoes what do you want to do next you want to talk awards or what yeah let's do some of that and uh we'll see what's coming home on home video emmy awards are this weekend right yeah holy smokes the emmys are this weekend let's tee that up next you're listening to the couch potatoes Brett McGarry, Jeff Brown. we are the couch potatoes we're gonna talk awards in a moment the emmys are this weekend but first jeff Want to do some home video? Yeah, there's a big one coming, and I think it's something you'll be interested in, because I think you missed it in the theater, didn't you? I did. Solo. You might want to buckle up, baby. You're off to something. Is it revenge? Money? Or is it something else? If you come with us, you're in this life for good. Why not? Solo, a Star Wars story. Out on digital HD now, Friday, September 14th. A weird release date for that, but there you go. So uh, if you want to rent it or buy it on digital HD, you can. It'll come out on hard copy in a couple of weeks. Yeah, this is... I can't believe I did not see this in the movie theater. (laughs) It's a Star Wars movie, and I didn't bother to go see it. I just... I couldn't be compelled to go see it. I don't know. And I saw it once, so for the first time, I saw the Star Wars in the theater more than you did. Usually, like, how many times do you see Rogue One? I saw Rogue One twice, and I ended up seeing The Last Jedi three times. And The Force Awakens, probably three times as yeah. well? Yeah. The, well, the, the Last Jedi was weird because I made an agreement to go see it with a guy on a Sunday afternoon, but then on the Friday, one of my other buddies says, I really want to see The Last Jedi. I said, Fine. I'll go see it with you. <laughs> so I ended up seeing it three one. times, even though I didn't. I loved parts of it, but yeah. overall, like, that's one. Another one. Force Awakens, I could not wait to buy it. Even though I'd seen it three times in theater, I went and bought it the first day it came out, went home and watched it twice that night. Holy smokes. And uh, Of the, all the new ones, that's the one I've seen the most as well. I did see Solo, and I thought it was, it's not as bad as uh, the Star Wars nerds would have you believe, It's but it's not the best movie by any stretch either. It's got a lot of really good parts. It's also, of course, got a robot that steals the movie, just like every Star Wars movie seems to have now. Really? Yeah, so it's cool. And it's worldwide yeah. box office, uh, three point or $392 million. 
which is pretty good for most movies, but for a Star Wars movie, like yeah. the Last Jedi made $1.3 billion. Yeah, so, I mean, there are a lot of factors that went into that, including the proximity, proximity to the last Star Wars movie and then all the things that went wrong in the yeah. making of this movie. Blah, they blah, blah. blew it releasing it in May. They should have waited until December. Absolutely. Uh, what else we got in digital? The first Purge and Sicario Day of the Soldado on Tuesday, and then over on hard copy, Blu-ray, DVD, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, and Season 11 of The X-Files, which I guess is that new season, right? Uh, I guess so. Yeah. I only watched one episode and oh, gave up on that. And back to the Jurassic World, you can buy a box set of all five, but if you do that, you're a sucker because they're not done making these movies yet. <laughs> yeah, don't bother doing that. And if you don't want to buy the hard copy, I'm sure Jurassic World will be available on demand as well through your... PVR. I did yeah. see Sicario, Sicario, whatever you want to call it. Day, Day of the, of the Soldado. Soldado. Not bad, but not nearly as good as the yeah. first one. The first one is, a, I would call it a classic, but the second one was bordering on unnecessary. I'm so. going to wait till it's on Netflix, probably. Uh, okay, we got four minutes here. The Emmys are Monday. I wore it on the red carpet for Girls Trip, and my whole team, they told me, Tiffany, you cannot wear that dress on SNL. You already wore it. It's taboo to wear it twice. And I said, I don't give a dang about no taboo. I spent a lot of money on this dress. This dress costs way more than my mortgage. This is Alexander McQueen, okay? It's a $4,000 dress. I'm going to wear this dress multiple times. Yes, the Emmys are this Monday honoring the best in TV, and they're on Monday, I think, because they are on NBC this year. It's hosted by the guys that do Weekend Update on Saturday Night Live, and Sunday nights on NBC is the NFL, yeah. and they ain't moving that, so okay. there you go. Uh, and speaking of SNL, that was Tiffany Haddish, who hosted Saturday Night Live last year, and last weekend they held uh, the pre-Emmy Emmy Awards, and she won for Best Guest Actor in a Comedy for her for hosting Saturday Night Live. Oh, she was very funny on that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like I said, last weekend they handled a bunch of Emmys that aren't important enough for the telecast. Usually it's technical stuff, web series, things like that. It's like the Grammys where they have way more categories than anyone actually knows. Uh, one of the cool ones they have, though, and I don't understand why they don't put these on the regular show, are these guest actor ones. You would think televising four more acting awards would be good for ratings and, you know, maybe move the writing and directing of, like, miniseries to the non-televised no event. No kidding. But uh, uh, the other thing this year, all the winners were black actors, which is interesting in light of the not-too-far-behind-us-Oscars-so-white thing. Not that, you know, these actors won because they're black, only that TV's better at representation. So the winners were, besides Tiffany Haddish, uh, Cat Williams for Atlanta, Samira Wiley for The Handmaid's Tale, and Ron Cephas Jones for This Is Us. Sweet. So, yeah, that's, uh, those were the pre-Emmy Emmys, and this Monday, the regular Emmys. Oh, and in case, uh, for those who are keeping track of my PVR uh, backlog, I still have three episodes of This Is Us, <laughs> even though season three debuts, I think, on the 25th. Uh, we'll double check. We'll go through fall TV stuff next week, but yeah, This Is Us, and I still have seven episodes of The Handmaid's Tale. The first three episodes were great, but they were so bleak. Won't you get? What if you get spoiled watching the Emmys when they show clips from the shows of episodes you haven't seen yet? Uh, then I, I guess I better get on it. <laughs> That's right. That's a great point. Shoot. I have some homework to do. Yeah. Okay, so uh, as far as the Emmys are concerned, uh, quick recap. What What's up for best drama? Handmaid's Tale, Game of Thrones, This Is Us, The Crown, The Americans, Stranger Things, and Westworld. What do you think? Uh, I think, ooh, I think Game of Thrones is going to win, or that or Handmaid's Tale. I would personally vote for The Americans just because they had their finale season this year and they just 
just nailed it. It was one of the best finales I've ever seen. So, but I, it's I think it's got to be Game of Thrones. Yeah, The Handmaid's Tale won last year, right? In the absence of Game of Thrones, right. in not, the absence of Game of Thrones. No, because Game of Thrones took a uh, time off and it wasn't eligible. But I mean, the first season of Handmaid's Tale was excellence in television and so far what i have seen of season two is also excellent but game of thrones it's hard to defeat both the the quality of that show and just yeah. the juggernaut of its popularity yeah yeah exactly the juggernaut and the the emmys they loved repeat winners now i mean since both of these have won they could both be considered a repeat winner but uh but the the game of thrones it's so ambitious that it's hard not to reward that because it's like even if they put it to the Oscars, it would win Oscars probably. Yeah. Like it's more ambitious than most movies. Yeah, the visual effects alone in that yeah. can go up against anything, anything you see on film. And, well, they're they're spending like $10 million an episode, <laughs> I think, or $15 million. I can't remember the exact number. Yeah. You know what? We are going to double check that, and we're going to tell you about the comedy category at the Emmys up next. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. We're going to wrap up our little talk about the Emmy Awards now and then move to some movies we saw this week. But uh, we're at the best comedy category for the Emmys, which are being held this Monday on NBC. Uh, and the nominees for best comedy are Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Silicon Valley, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Atlanta, Barry, Blackish, Curb Your Enthusiasm, and Glow. One of those will win. None of those have won before because the usual winner, the last, I don't know, five years in a row has been Veep. Yes. Uh, yeah. And before that, Modern Family won five in a row or something like that. Yep. So it's been a long time since we've had a new comedy win and it's definitely going to happen. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel won the Golden Globe yep. last or earlier this year. So that could be considered a front runner. Atlanta's won a ton of awards all over the place. That's got to be up in the conversation as well. Um, Blackish is very popular. And I don't know, do people, I would, I would say people have a soft spot for Kirby enthusiasm. I don't think Larry David has a ton of friends in Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> He's a kind of a prickly guy. He's certainly not going to parties and sucking up to these people to win awards from them. So who knows? Yeah. And it wasn't even its best season. No, not at all. But yeah. it was a comeback season. Yeah. So maybe there's, maybe there's that. I don't know. Well, a bad, I shouldn't say bad, but a, a so-so season of Curb is still better than yeah. most comedies. The bar is so high. I mean, come on. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you nailed it on that. Uh, I, I'm going to call Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. But, Me too. Uh, with second, maybe I would say Blackish would be my dark horse. That's a good one. That's a good that. guess. That's a popular show. Okay. Let's talk movies. Where do you want to start? Uh, let's start with the one I went to go see. I went to go see a movie called Juliet Naked. Tucker Crow, one of the most unsung figures of alternative rock. Hasn't been seen in 20 years. That's him. Wow, he's so gorgeous. Thank you. I think I've had enough Tucker Bloody Crow to last 20 lifetimes. Tucker has a new album, and I don't want to spend my time with someone who doesn't get it. Well, somebody new. Juliet Naked is a naked attempt to squeeze a few more quid out of a long dead career. You wrote this. It was the strangest thing. I met someone on the internet. You're finally entering the modern age. You read that review I posted. You nailed it. I couldn't have explained it better myself. Tucker Crow. Tucker Crow, as in Duncan's idol, Tucker yes. Crow. Yeah, it's really me. What's your story? Juliet Naked stars Ethan Hawke, Rose Byrne, and Chris O'Dowd. It's based on a novel by Nick Hornby, writer of such other novels turned into such movies as High Fidelity and About a Boy. First off, right out of the gate, I feel like I should mention that nobody gets naked in this movie. 
<laughs> if you're going because of that title or staying away from it because of that title, there's no nudity. There are a lot of curse words, so it is not for kids. But I recommend all the grown-ups seen it. Uh, Crazy Rich Asians will be the romantic comedy everyone talks about when they look back at 2018. But Juliet Naked is actually a much better movie. It's got a lot of the standard beats and tropes you expect in a rom-com, but it also has its own fresh vibe. It starts with Rose Byrne and Chris O'Dowd as a happy couple living their lives in a small English seaside town. She runs a little maritime museum. He teaches at a nearby college. They've been together 15 years, but they've never been married and they don't have kids. And he, as we heard in the clip there, is obsessed with this old indie rocker from his youth, an American singer-songwriter named Tucker Crow, who hasn't put out an album since an album rather since the mid-90s when he mysteriously just dropped out of public life. O'Dowd moderates a website where crazy fans gather. He has a shrine to the musician in his home. Byrne, meantime, is starting to resent their life together. For one thing, she's starting to feel like she might want kids. He does not want kids. And she's absolutely over his obsession with Tucker Crow. One day a package arrives. Someone has unearthed these demo recordings of Tucker's big album, which was called Juliet. The demo collection is called Juliet Naked. She listens to it, then she goes onto O'Dowd's website and writes a scathing review of it. This actually catches the attention of the real Tucker Crow, played by Ethan Hawke. He emails Byrne. They become pen pals. O'Dowd, meantime, falls in love with another woman. Then Hawke has reason to visit England, and boom, we have breakups, makeups, hookups, and all sorts of interesting relationship stuff. You can probably guess how it goes, but I won't spoil it. And even though the story, you know, works out as you would expect, like I said, it feels fresh. It's a very enjoyable journey. You don't see Ethan Hawke do a lot of movies like this. I, I mean, I feel like he does mostly dark and brooding movies. He's got a lot of buzz a couple of months ago playing a priest in a movie called First Reformed. So you may see his name pop up because of that when award seasons roll around. Uh, but he's very convincing as an old rocker living off the royalties of his past fame. Uh, to be clear, he wasn't a big rock star like Bruce Springsteen or anything. It's a niche audience that remembers him. One of the running gags is that he has several children from different women and he hasn't been a great dad. He's not really entirely sure who everyone is. He's trying to correct that with his youngest, a boy who's probably seven or eight years old. And he may be ready to fall in love for real just as Rose is ready for a change as well. Will they get together? Will it work? How will her ex react? Find the answers to all those questions and more. Go see Juliet Naked. It's really funny. It's an overall please, uh, pleaser. You'll, you'll just enjoy yourself. Four couch cushions out of five for Juliet Naked. Great cast in this. Rose Byrne is excellent in no yep. matter what she does. Yep. And unlike Gerard Butler, she Dunn. is excellent at accent work. Yes. Because she, I believe, is... She's Australian, I think. Yes. Uh, she... That's why I, I think that's why I thought Butler might have been. Yep, she is Australian. Uh, but she nailed the English accent there and she has played, uh, you know, American roles countless times, yeah. and I never knew. I, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, she's Australian. Her, so. it's, uh, her and Christ, uh, Christian Bale always I always forget that he's not American. Yeah. Because he'll do interviews with an American accent if he's playing an American role. Oh, does he? Yeah, because he's, like, one of those headcase actors that thinks uh, that's important. <laughs> Gillian Anderson does that, too. Yeah. When she uh, does interviews... For the regarding her, it, Yeah, because she had that TV show called The Fall, where she played an, an English police officer and when she did interviews for that uh, specifically in England she would speak with the English accent and, and she's I, not Amer uh, she's not English no so <laughs> that just that that annoys me <laughs> I don't know I think it annoys me more when North Americans try because typically the when North Americans do the English accent it you can tell yeah, you can yeah, just yeah. tell yeah they're, they're, it's just something is missing that's funny generally speaking I also the other thing about this Juliet naked I think I like uh and I don't know I'd have to go back and look at all the old romantic comedies but like, everyone in this cast is our age, right around 40 years old kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, Ethan Hawke's a little bit older, but... So, I, I wonder if that's just hitting us at the right time. I saw a movie this week, 
And uh, I fell asleep during the what? worst part, the most important part. Your mission. Should you choose to accept it? I wonder, did you ever choose not to? The end you always feared is coming. And the blood will be on your hands. The fallout of all your good intentions. So, Mission Impossible Fallout. Was super excited to see this when I stuck For months I was waiting for it to come out. Yeah. But it came out in the middle of summer, and that often is a deterrent for me, because I like to golf and stuff and see the light of day during summertime, so I end up skipping a lot of movies. I skipped Rogue Nation, and I regretted that, because I love seeing the Mission Impossible movies on the big screen. So finally an opportunity presented itself. I went to see Mission Impossible Fallout. I went to one of the theaters, uh, Landmark Cinemas Theater, with the reclining seats. There were two people in the movie theater. It was a 12.20 p.m. show on a Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday, pardon me. And uh, I was one of the two people in the theater. And I don't know what happened. Like, I, I got there. I was jacked up to see it. And the first 20 minutes or so were thrilling leading into the, the opening credits, which uh, always I just get the goosebumps when it gets into the music i love i love these movies and i'm inhaling my popcorn which i make really unhealthy for me and i think what happened because i fell asleep about halfway through and when i woke up just as the bad guy had clearly revealed himself and revealed his intentions and i had no idea what was going on <laughs> i don't know how long i was asleep wow. i slept through the part where tom cruise is running on rooftops and broke his foot so you actually fell asleep during an action scene yeah that's, well, that's I, nuts. No, I, I think what happened is I started, because there was a big action scene, and then there was the a, a, a pause, you know, oh, okay. the, the middle of Act 2 where things tend to right. slow down. So I started to drop off. It's not like I just passed out. I, I think I was just dozing. It felt like I was just kind of bobbing for apples almost. I would just kind of realize, oh, I'm sleeping. And I'd wake up and I'd take a deep breath and say, okay, I'm going to stay awake. And then it was just like <laughs> the cycle kept repeating itself. So I think what happened was... I inhaled this popcorn, which I always put on tons of that buttery flavored topping, which has got to be really bad for you. Yep. I put on that white cheddar flavored salt, which also is really bad for you. So my heart's pounding because it's an action movie, and I think my heart was also pounding because of the horrible popcorn that I was <laughs> pumping into my body. And then I finished the popcorn. 20 minutes later, the inevitable popcorn crash happened just as the movie calmed down. Oh, so go. it just put me to sleep. And those reclining seats, they're just so comfortable. That's true. Yeah. So, so I, I, I got to watch it again. What you did see, did you enjoy it? Oh, yeah. I loved it. <laughs> the problem was because I fell asleep in that important part, even though all of the action was super thrilling after that, like the, the helicopter scene, yeah, insane, but it lacked the emotional weight that would have come had I known right, what right. the motivations of the bad guy were. So that's frustrating, but oh, well, I guess I have to watch <laughs> it again. Woe is me. I've saw it twice. It's even better the second time. 
Yeah, and it'll probably come out on home video really soon because it's been in theaters now for like two months. Yeah. It's made $213.5 million. That's the second biggest of the franchise of the six movies. Mission Impossible 2, still the leader with $215 million, uh, but it is the highest grossing overall on a worldwide scale, $735 million, uh, and uh, 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. So Mission Impossible Fallout, if you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor and check it out. Like I finally... Almost sort of did. Yeah. Hey, up next, I will tell you about the first season of Castle Rock. It opened up this week, and then Jeff's got a surprise review of a classic. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. We talked about a couple of new movies we saw, but I saw a movie this week, which I'll now review another movie 20 years late on this one, Brett. (laughs) But I finally saw Notting Hill. I live in Notting Hill. You live in Beverly Hills. Everyone in the world knows who you are. My mother has trouble remembering my name. The fame thing isn't really real. And don't forget, I'm also just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her. That's where that movie's yeah, that clip is from? Absolutely. Oh, my God. Notting Hill starring Julia Roberts and Hugh Grant. Hey, what a charming pair. They might have a future in movies <laughs> if they can deliver like they do in this. I used to really not like Julia Roberts, which I'm almost certain is why I never saw this movie until now. Hugh Grant plays the owner of a small bookshop in the Notting Hill section of London. That was revelation number one. I always assumed Notting Hill was its own town in the country or maybe the name of an actual hill, but it's just a charming little London neighborhood. His shop is visited one day by Anna Scott, played by Julia Roberts who happens to be a famous movie actress who's in London for the release of a new movie. They have an on-again, off-again thing. It's a Prince and the Pauper story, sort of. Not so much that her highfalutin lifestyle and his meager existence existence can't mix, but more about the level of fame she has, the paparazzi at the door, all that. Plus, she has a boyfriend played by Alex Baldwin, hilariously by Alex Alec Baldwin, not Alex, Alec Baldwin. Um, as it is a Hugh Grant movie, he is surrounded by a colorful gang of friends, including the dad from Downton Abbey. It's a good gang, not as good as the Four Weddings and a Funeral gang, but better than the About a Boy gang. Uh, my big three takeaways, again, Notting Hill, not a hill, actually. <laughs> okay. uh, this was the missing link Alec Baldwin performance. I have spent years wondering, why is there only young Baldwin and old Baldwin? Where is middle Baldwin? He's here, and now I can reconcile his aging. I still have the same problem with Al Pacino. When exactly did he turn into old Pacino? And like you mentioned, the I'm a girl standing in front of a boy speech. I knew that speech. I did not know it was in this, and it, uh, it slammed me hard when it came up near the end. Good stuff. Great rom-com, 4 out of 5 for Notting Hill. What prompted you to watch this film? How did that come up? Uh, a friend of mine said he was watching it, and I made fun of him, and then I mentioned that I never saw it, and he just attacked me relentlessly, and then I was like, okay, it's on Netflix. I can watch this. Wow. <laughs> well, hey, good for you for, yeah, for watching it and then for opening your mind up to enjoy it. That should be a thing where every couple of weeks I should try and watch a classic movie I've not seen. We yeah. should all do that. Yeah. That well, is your challenge, audience. Yeah. I, I, I'll, let, I'll fit that in somewhere in my 97% full PVR. <laughs> <laughs> I got through one of the shows in my PVR. Oh. Castle Rock. And they call it People say Lonesome Town Every inch of this town Where the broken hearts stay Is stained with someone's sin. So Castle Rock wrapped up its first season this week, it's the show that's, it's a Stephen King multiverse show. So it's got elements from different stories. For example, the Shawshank prison is in this. But you know what? I don't know enough 
about Stephen King's stories to know which stories are involved. Like, there are very loose kind of one-off references to, yeah. like, their Derry, the town of Derry, that is featured in this show. That's from, from It. it. Yeah. There's a reference to Cujo, but they don't even call it Cujo. They just say the dog. And so they're, like, geez, these throwaway lines. So that kind of felt like a ripoff. Like, you... you sells something as a Stephen King multiverse, you somehow expect that it's going to be pulling things from various famous stories. But, like I said, he's written so many stories, I yeah. have no idea yeah, what yeah, yeah. is in there. And I I didn't care enough to do the research, partly because this show was kind of inconsistent and, and I think ultimately disappointing for yeah. me. The seventh episode, and this this speaks to the inconsistency, because the seventh episode called The Queen was one of the best episodes of TV I've ever seen. Really? Period. Yeah, it was just this beautiful, tragic, sad, uh, creative episode of TV with a tour de force performance from Sissy Spacek. Hmm. Uh, she deserves an Emmy Award for her performance in this show all throughout. But the ending of the season was so bleak and left me so depressed and just kind of like, what? So this is what we were building up towards. Plus they spent like six episodes sort of revealing or teeing, teasing the mystery. And when they finally reveal the mystery, it's not that big of a reveal. I don't know. That's, it just, it lacked. Yeah. It just wasn't their great acting, great that, cast. That's a hard tightrope to walk because the m- mysteries and revealing them and how much stock you should put in them. Yeah, super cast, but I was just disappointed, and I feel like 10 episodes, I could, should have spent those 10 hours watching other things on my PVR. Hmm. Season two has already been greenlit, though, so uh, I'll probably end up watching it because I want to see what they do next season, <laughs> and I'm hoping that it's not as bleak as this first one. Write but- them a letter. I will get on my typewriter and write them a letter Grandpa Simpson style. That's all the time we've got. Next week, TV, fall preview stuff. I'm Brad, he's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Get the podcast on Google Play or on iTunes. And remember, if you're a prize getting up off the couch, don't bother.